With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour with your host, Sam Leibowitz. Good morning, my conscious co-creators. Welcome. Ooh, ah, got choked up there. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, our first edition show of 2015 happy new year to all of my wonderful listeners thank you for staying with us throughout 2014 it was a fantastic year for us here at the station and uh, we're really looking forward to this coming year 2015 feels like it's going to be a great year have you been talking to your friends have they been saying it i tell you like everybody i talk to uh has a really good feeling about this year so for me that's a pretty good indication uh, that it's going to be a really good year because you know you just kind of you know when you feel like so many people are like yeah they're optimistic they're they're you know enthusiastic about the new year that gives a real energy i feel to like what's coming up and that uh really this is going to be a fantastic year so i know it's been a couple of weeks since we've done our show i know you're anxiously awaiting your quotes of the day from the universe and from abraham oh we got a couple of goodies today let's see what the universe and abraham have to say so first from the universe for the record, you've not missed anything. You don't even know what downtime is. And every single second of your life so far, resting, playing, distracted or not, has been profoundly creative. We're on a roll, the universe. Hmm, interesting quote from the universe. Nice little, uh, <laughs> trying to, to remind us that we actually are getting it all perfect let's see what abraham has uh, for us today kind of a longer one from abraham from your human perspective you often believe that you must work hard to overcome obstacles and satisfy shortages and solve the problems that are before you but often in that attitude or approach you work against yourself without realizing it Attention to obstacles make them bigger and more stubborn. Attention to shortages make them bigger and prolongs them. And attention to a problem prevents any immediate resolution or solution. In the absence of longing, in the absence of doubt, in the absence of obstacles and shortages and problems will, will be the solutions and abundance that you seek. And the evidence of your vibrational shift will become obvious in two ways. 
First, you will feel better. And next, physical evidence of improvement will begin flowing to you from a variety of different directions. Abraham. Ah, quite an interesting quote and one of, uh, I think, Abraham's big messages, which is, and this is what I say to people all the time, what you focus on expands. So if you're focusing on the fact that you have an obstacle, you have an issue, you have something you're working on, things aren't exactly the way you would like them to be, uh, well, you're going to stay stuck if that's the way you foc- if that's where you're focusing. However, if you turn it around and focus on solutions, focus on what you can do, not what you can't do, then you'll begin to sort of change the whole energy around um, what's going on, and all of a sudden things start to flow. It's kind of like when you're in the middle of the 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 issue. It's like you're in the middle of the storm. Things are swirling around you. You don't know what to do. You don't know which direction to turn. The more you focus on the fact that that's the way you feel and that, you know, all this crazy stuff's happening around you, the more you sort of stay stuck in that energy. You stay stuck in that perspective. But if you can mindfully kind of stop yourself, breathe for a minute and and change your focus from the craziness that's going on around you to what you can do about it. And don't say, oh, I've thought of everything. There's nothing I can do. Okay. You've thought of what, two or three different possibilities? There is a dozen possibilities. There is millions of possibilities that you can take to a possible approach. You may not like all the different possibilities. We're not asking you to like all the possibilities. We're just asking you to focus on what are the different possibilities that you can do. Then um, you'll see that there's actually things begin to shift. Your energy changes from one where you're kind of constricted or contracted or kind of stuck where you are to one where, ah, there is something I can do. I can call this person. I can reach out for help. I can shift my thinking. I can make a phone call. You know, there are always things that we can do. Um, So I hope that this is a, a good way to kind of start off the new year for you. Remember that, you know, as you're going through your daily life, as you're going through the various things that you're going through, remember there's always something you can do. Perhaps you just haven't thought of it yet. And if you ever need help from me, your conscious consultant, feel free to reach out and give us a call. So now it is my great honor and privilege to introduce to you a wonderful uh, music professional and author, Thomas Baylor. Thomas has enjoyed a long and distinguished career in the entertainment industry. He's an acclaimed singer, composer, songwriter, arranger, producer, and now author. Thomas has worked with such popular musicians as Billy Joel and Michael Jackson, Barbara Streisand. Um, He's a close associate of Quincy Jones. Uh, And Thomas is an associate producer and arranger of um, that wonderful uh, song, We Are the World, that had so many. Oh, my God. How many different stars did you have singing in We Are the World? We had about 40. About 40? About 40, Wow. That must have been quite a project to work on. He's also uh, composed music for Quincy Jones, Michael Jackson, uh, and directors Steven Spielberg and Barry Levinson. Uh, And, oh my God, really? The magicians, Siegfried and Roy? Yes, I did their show at the Mirage. Oh, cool. 
Um, he's done half full super time shows and a number of high profile stage productions. As a songwriter, he's written many hits, including She's Out of My Life, Living in a House Divided, and Julie, Do You Love Me? Thomas also created the vocal arrangements for the motion picture version of The Wiz. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> he also served as musical director for a number of events sponsored by the White House, including America's Millennial, Points of Light, and President Clinton's inaugural concert. Oh, cool. Mr. Baylor has also served as musical director and arranger for the Kennedy Center Honors. Um, and one project that he has his attention on is a song cycle composing, composing on, based on the poetry of the Sufi poet Hafiz. Oh, wow. That must be interesting. And he is the author of uh, his first novel, Anything is Possible, and his soon-to-be-released book, What You Want Wants You. And uh, every now and then you take a nap, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I sleep well. Well, you sleep well. Good, yes. good. Well, we're doing all that. That's something. Wow. How did you, I mean, this is just amazing. You come, though, from fairly humble beginnings, don't you? Yes. Well, I mean, I would say fairly, very normal beginnings. You okay. Know? I grew up in Inglewood, California. Ah, and uh, at Inglewood, New Jersey, a lot of people know Ingle, Inglewood, exactly. New Jersey, right? I think Inglewood, New Jersey starts with an E, doesn't it? Yeah, our Inglewood starts with an I. So ah, as it went west, I think it hit. okay. <laughs> so it's Inglewood <laughs> or something. Okay, where is Inglewood? New, Inglewood is uh, South Central Los Angeles. Oh, okay, part of the LA. Okay, yes, and there I think we were best known at that time for Hollywood Park racetrack. Oh, it was a okay. pretty big horse track, uh-huh. and they had the season there. It was uh, very exciting, but it was a very, you know, there. I was post-war. There were forty kids on our block. Wow, that's it. Huh? I lived on Third Avenue between Arbavita and Hardy, and I don't remember how many homes there were, but it was a normal block, you know, mm-hmm. in the suburbs, kind of a thing. Right. But there were forty kids, and and. Um, it was it was a very normal upbringing, and by the time my brother and I were born, my dad owned a record store oh, just okay. up the street. Uh, dad was self-taught as a trumpet player when he lived in Missouri, but then later on went to Juilliard, oh, and uh, then played in the studios in Los Angeles. Ah. And then after the war, he decided he didn't want to play his trumpet anymore for money. Oh, really? Yeah, it was very precious to him. He loved to, He got a look in his eye when he played his trumpet that was not present at any other time, and it was so beautiful. And from the time I was three years old, I remember seeing this, and I wanted some of that. And so I became a trumpet player, and so did my brother. Oh, wow. But we owned a record store, and then he and my grandfather owned uh, what they call a jukebox route. You know, jukeboxes were big, and after the war, Seaburks yeah, yeah. uh, came out with these hundred record jukeboxes uh, uh-huh. yeah. so we were warehousing over five thousand records at the time oh my god so dad thought well let's put on a storefront uh, let's put a storefront there and serve our neighborhood oh so we had a place called fifth avenue music uh-huh. which was way different than fifth avenue new york yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool what well, the, the benefit to my brother and i was that um uh, we gave dad a list mm-hmm. and he would drop it by the store and to the guy that was running it and they would deliver us records all the time. Wow. And these and are the old like little forty fives or they, like the big this vinyls? is back to seventy eights, man. Seventy eights, wow. 
And the wonderful thing was that there, there was no waste because we would listen to the songs that we wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. And when we were through, he put those records in the jukeboxes. Oh. So we got whatever we wanted. You know right, what I mean? And right, so, right. and the great thing about that is we had such an incredible music education because of that. Mm, I bet. I yeah. bet. Who was your favorite when you were a kid? Or, or just oh, gosh, or it changed weekly. <laughs> you know? Was there one song that, like, when you heard it as a kid, just totally, like, uh, you know, changed your life? Or, or that really, like, you know, like went right into your heart? <laughs> well, it depends on what age. You know, uh, On Top of Old Smokey was a big one. That was a country song. Top of Old Smokey. Wow, on Top of Old Smokey. Yeah. All covered with snow. I lost my true lover by courting too slow. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I, loved, I loved Harry James and his band, uh, one song that actually did change my life was called Trumpet uh, Blues and Cantable. Uh, and that was the first song that I arranged because I wanted to arrange. I said, Dad, how do they know what to play? And he uh, said, well, somebody wrote down the notes. Right. And I said, how do they do that? And he said, well, why don't you have your brother drop the needle uh-huh. and listen to what the first trumpet plays? Because being a trumpet player, he figured that right. would be, listen to what the first trumpet player is playing and write it down. Oh. And then listen to what the second trumpet player is. And it was ear training. This is oh. what they teach you in college. But I learned it at seven. Wow. Wow. That's quite a start to your musical career. <laughs> it was an amazing childhood. My father was, I mean, I talk about my dad all the time. Wow. And there's a reason. And that's why my new book is called What You Want, Want You, because it's really based on the book is about, and I, I didn't know that I was going to write this. It's kind of like being married for a long time and having a family, and mm. then your youngest is 13, and you, and you find out your wife's pregnant. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to write this book, but right. it, it happened because when I speak about my novel, which is, ba- is really a reimagining, anything is possible. My novel is a reimagining of the life of Aesop. Right. And that came about through our record store. Oh, cool. All right. I want you to hold that thought. Sure. And uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, uh, let's fill in a little bit of the gaps of what happened kind of in between that <laughs> little kid playing, the seven-year-old kid playing the trumpet in Inglewood, California, to, to getting up to writing your novel, okay? Absolutely. All right, everybody, please stay tuned. You're listening to The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. Um, and my guest this hour is Thomas Baylor, and we will be back in just a moment. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Bonjour, this is Dominique de Coq. Bonjour, c'est Tamara Zuboff. Bonjour, c'est Asania Kone. We are hosting Pardon My French New York City. Our guests come from all over the world. From Mali to New Caledonia, from Paris to Quebec. French is a common language, yet they all come from different cultures, backgrounds or countries. And their common desire is to make New York their home. Listen to them share their stories. Join us at Pardon My French New York City every Monday from 1 to 2 p.m. Are you stuck in your business or career? 
trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Lebowitz, the Conscious Consultant. I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people. TalkingAlternative.com You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and uh, I'm very pleased to have Thomas Baylor with me today. So, Thomas, when, when we left off, you were a seven-year-old kid playing trumpet in Inglewood, <laughs> California. Um, how did you get from, from being a seven-year-old kid to working with such you know musical stars as Billy Joel and Michael Jackson? I mean, that is uh, not a short trip, I'm sure. You know, it's. Uh, I wish I could tell you how. Um, it was, I was raised with a, a very singular premise. Mm-hmm. We're all here to serve others. Oh, interesting. And I, I was given permission at a very young age that the only limitations I had were whatever my beliefs were. Really? Yeah. Uh, I imagine growing up that not a lot of your friends had the same kind of upbringing. No, but, you know, there were 40 kids on our block, and I think they all came to my dad. And the interesting thing, my dad was such an amazing guy, but he grew up without a father. His father died of typhoid when he was six years old, and his mother was a a pop. I called her a Pollyanna of possibility. Mm. Uh, so many people I knew that were Pollyannas or have that I see that are Pollyannas. I've I sort of recognize blind spots because mm. they just don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. Grandmother was saw all and loved all, uh. and she instilled in my father. <clears throat> That anything is possible, and that's the uh, way my novel got named. So I, I tend to talk about these things in my family because they were so instrumental in my upbringing, and it was very simple. I mean, my dad gave me Think and Grow Rich when I was 10 years old. He said, I think really? you'll like this book. Wow. Yeah. And, and the other thing about my upbringing, which is going to guide us into what I'm going to talk about in terms of working with these wonderful stars and, and leaders of industry that I fell I don't really know how, except energetically, you know, mm-hmm. that I had something to offer. Mm-hmm. And um, what, the the premises of anything is possible and that we are here to serve others. Um, and reading, well, first I read uh, Think and Grow Rich at 10, which is the very first sort of self 
awareness book. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and then my dad actually studied when he was back here in New York. He actually studied with Dale Carnegie. So the oh, next wow. book I wrote, read was, was, was uh, how to, how to win, win friends and influence, and influence people. people. Stop yeah. worrying. Stop. Start living. Right, you know. Right. So and I was also given permission to that whatever I was was occurring to me was good. Mm. And and when and when I was dissatisfied, Dad would say, D- "Is this a bad thing?" And I said, "Well, yeah, I don't like being dissatisfied." And he said, "Well, you know, sometimes when we change perspectives, it mm-hmm. gets better." Because mm. he said the way I look at it, and he always gave me an I message. Mm. He told me, "Father, my dad never told me what to do ever." Really. I was raised with questions and suggestions. Oh, wow. And dad never said, now we need to sit down and talk and, you know, you know, you yeah. need to do this and you need to do that. <laughs> I never heard those words out of his mouth. Wow. In fact, in high school, I was kind of going off track. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, it wasn't anything terrible, but I was not doing what, you know. Right. Okay. And that's usually when dad sit down and say, hey, look, yeah. you know, dude, you need to yada, yada. Yeah. Dad walked into my room one day and he said, son. I believe I know what your goals are, and I'm not sure you're going to reach them on the path you're on. And he turned around and walked out. Wow. That was my father and son talk. Wow. <laughs> that threw me into a self-evaluation, oh. and I figured out what I was doing wrong. He was very observant, mm-hmm. and when I turned it around, he just put his arm around me one day, and he said, well done. Wow. Wow. So, so he really I thought everybody be, was raised that way. And so he really taught you to be self-reliant, but to, to really question things and not just take things for granted. Absolutely. And, and wouldn't answer a question. Really? When I, here's an example. When I was four years old, I learned how to ride a bike at four because I had a big brother. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Normally we're around six or something. But anyway, I came out one day and my... My bike had a flat tire. Mm-hmm. So I went to my dad and I said, Dad, I have a flat. Mm-hmm. And he said, what do you want? And I thought I annoyed him. <laughs> and I said, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and he got down on his haunches uh-huh. and looked me straight in the eye. And he said, son, listen to my words. Uh, what do you want? I said, um, I want my tire not to be flat. Mm. He said, great. What are you going to do about it? Uh-huh. I said, I don't know. And he said, but if you did know. Which was dad's code for use your powers of observation. So I look at a tire on a rim that's flopping over and I said, I guess that tire needs to come off the rim. He said, great. How are you going to do that? (laughs) So now I look and I say, well, I guess the nuts need to come off the wheel. He said, great. I'll get you a wrench. Oh. And he comes back and he said, I know you're four, so I'm going to loosen him. As soon as he loosened him, uh-huh. I was on my own, except he was right there. He was present. He didn't okay. leave me. Right. right but he right. never told me how or what to do. It was my he experience. You, he let you figure it out for yourself. Yes. And you know what? One of the things he said that has stuck with me, and I think your listeners are going to love. Dad said, I have never. He said, I have yet to forget anything that I have discovered. I have forgotten tons of things that I've learned. Learned, uh, interesting. And and that's how I got locked in the ESOP because we had this record store, and Dad sent home this. Uh, he would send us presents all the time from the store. With mm-hmm. uh, Warner Brothers came out with a thing called Reader Records after the war, oh. and it was starring the Looney Tunes mm-hmm. cast. You know, right. Bugs Bunny, Elmer Fudd, right, Daffy right, Duck. Right. And they were classic stories told by that 
in through them, oh. you know. <laughs> and the first Dude. book he sent home, it was a it, it had uh, it was a picture book, but it mm-hmm. also had the words in there. So okay. as you kind of caught on, you're listening yeah, to the words. Yeah. You kind of it almost taught you how to read. It was brilliant. Oh. And the first book he sent home was Bugs Bunny and the Tortoise, which is the hare and the tortoise, right? Sure. Which is Aesop. Right, right. And I fell in love with this story. And when Dad got home, I said, Dad, thank you so much. I love this story. It's wonderful. And he said, well, son, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, uh, uh, you know, that's not a new story. And I said, it's not? And he said, no, it's over 2,500 years old. And I said, Bugs Bunny isn't 2,500 years old. He said, you're right, he's not. But the story is. And he said, as a matter of fact, because Bugs was the star, he won, even though he went to sleep. He won by an ear. Uh, and he said, you know, son, in the original story, right. the tortoise wins. Mm-hmm. So I was hooked. Mm-hmm. So dad brought home... Aesop's fables and what he pointed out to me about discovery he said you know the reason that this man is the most quoted author in history mm-hmm. is because in every one of his stories we discover the meaning mm-hmm. and he said if I'm going to say to you son tell the truth because if you don't tell the truth when you do tell the truth people won't believe you mm-hmm. you're going to go into a whole gr- uh, a whole bevy of thoughts I'll bet that thinks like why does my dad think I'm not telling the truth why does this and you get all defensive right but if right. I tell you the story about the boy who cried wolf he was lonely and he was out there with the sheep so he cries wolf and the whole town comes out mm-hmm. to help him and when they get there they say where's the wolf and he said well he ran off mm-hmm. but he all he wanted was warmth and love oh, right. and he did it two or three times till finally when there was a wolf and he cried wolf they're going oh that's him again yeah, yeah, yeah. well what happens when you hear that story is you discover right the yeah. quality of truth interesting interesting and all of Aesop's stories are like that so mm-hmm. so this is what i was raised with so and and serve others i was a good trumpet player and when i got into high school um we had, you know, dances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody said, you know, the band, this band can't make it. They just canceled on us. We don't know what to do. And I said, well, I'll put some guys together. So, we, you know, I put some buddies okay. together. And oh, pretty cool. soon we were playing dances all the time. And then there were more gigs than there were people. So <laughs> I j- And again, I was serving others. I didn't want to be a band maven. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't set out to go, right. I'm going to do this. Right, right, right. But it worked. I was using my talent to my gifts to serve others. Right. So that's the way I got into the music industry. And when then I went to USC as a trumpet player and um, <clears throat> was a very serious trumpet player, a trumpet major. Mm-hmm. And then uh, suddenly I f- discovered uh, through kind of a catastrophe that I had a bleeding ulcer and it was perforated and they had to do emergency surgery to save my life at 22 years old. How crazy is that? But I couldn't play the trumpet after that for a year or two. Uh, and I was devastated. I bet because you'd been playing since you were seven, so it was like Actually, part of your f- life. Five, a five, you wow. know. But I mean, that's when. So it was so much of my life. And when you're majoring in trumpet, I was playing three, four, five hours a day, right. and suddenly it was nothing. And my family, uh, my family was around me, you know, and, and supported me. And and I was like, I don't deserve this. I was doing everything right. Why did this happen to me? And all, you know, my mm. life was ruined. And my right. dad said, you know, son, maybe you should ask some questions that empower you. Mm. And I said, what? I 
can't think of anything that will empower me right now. <laughs> right in the middle And he of said, this. how about this one? Is being a trumpet player all you are? Mm. And immediately I went, no. Mm-hmm. No. No. And he said, well, maybe you should ask yourself what else you enjoy doing. Mm. Well, I enjoyed singing. I never thought that I would be right. a singer. Right, right. But the point was that I read the spots off the paper because I learned how to read music when I was five. Not because anybody told me to, but because of a natural right. curiosity. Right, okay. Then, so, <clears throat> I couldn't play my trumpet, but I could sing. I went to the doctor. The doctor felt my abdomen when mm-hmm. I sang, and he said, Nora, you're okay singing. Okay. So... My brother comes home one day and he said, hey, you know, I just saw in the Hollywood Reporter, they're looking for a singer on the Smothers Brothers show. Smothers Brothers show? Yeah, it was the number one show on CBS, number one show on television. And they were driving the, the, not the critics, but what do they call the censors? They were driving the censors crazy. And I'm 22 years old and that's cool. (laughs) Uh, That is cool. So I thought... What the heck? So I find out who the the vocal director is. I audition for him. I get the job. Wow. So my dad's saying, maybe you should ask a question that empowers you. Yeah. yeah. Change my life. Let's see where it leads you. Wow. Cool. Cool. Okay. Let, let's leave it there on that note. And uh, we'll after the break, we'll swing back around about uh, what got you uh, in only recently after all these years with a distinguished music career to become an author. So everybody, please stay tuned. And of course, if anyone would like to call in and and ask your own question of Thomas, please feel free to call in. Our call-in number is still 877-480-4120. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Have you ever considered consulting a roadmap when you feel you need help getting to your destination? When the normal path seems blocked, a little help can come in handy when choosing an alternate route. Your natal chart is a map of your potentials. It addresses relationships, finance, business, health, and above all, creativity. Current planetary cycles can either support or challenge your objectives. I'm Montgomery Taylor. 
If you would like to explore the help of a private astrological reading, please contact me at Monty at MontyTaylor.com. That's Monty, M-O-N-T-Y, at MontyTaylor.com. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, and my guest this hour is Thomas Baylor. So, Tom, um, wow. So you got on the Smothers Brothers show as a singer, and I guess kind of from there you made all kinds of connections in the music industry. And I met Cher on that show. I met ah. Paul, Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, uh, it, and, and the thing was that when I got on the show, I noticed that we we were called singers who moved because they had dancers, uh, eight singers, eight right, dancers, and right. when they big did big production numbers, mm-hmm. they'd put us in back of the dancers, and we moved well enough that it looked like we were in sync, but they just never shot our feet. Uh. And, <laughs> luckily, but you know what? I, here's this is something I want to share with your listeners is that when I got on the show, I noticed that we were only actually working about 30% of the time. We were sitting around the other 30% uh, or other 70%. Right, so I'm watching right. the other singers cause this is my first gig like right, this. Right. And, um, and I'm watching them. Some people knitted, some people played cards, some people read. Mm. And I thought, this is all wonderful, but I'm at freaking CBS, yeah. the number one network in the world. I want to know more. Mm. And this is what I was taught by my grandmother and my father. When you're in a situation and you don't know what to do, you Mm. ask yourself, what do I want? Mm. So I said, I want to know more. I made a declaration. Mm -hmm. I want to know more. And immediately, as soon as I said that, a question comes to me from me. What are you going to do about it? Mm. And I thought, well, I'm going to start at the top. So I knocked on the door of the director, mm-hmm. and he said, come on in. And I said, I don't know if you know me, because I came in mid-season. I said, I don't know if you know me. I'm one of your singers. And he said, I know who you are. What do you want? I said, well, I, I have a lot of time on my hands, and and if I'm quiet and unobtrusive, may I follow you around, Stan, while you direct this show? I just went, And he said, it was like he recognized a long-lost relative. Mm-hmm. He said, of course. What are you doing right now? And I said, I'm following you, sir. (laughs) Now, the amazing thing is nobody knew me on the show. So all of a sudden they see this kid hanging out with the director and they think I'm important. (laughs) So pretty soon the set director comes up and he says, hey, I want to show you something, Tommy. And by this time, even though they know I'm a a singer on the show, I'm connected to the director. Right. So and the makeup department says hey we're doing this pirate number look at what we're gonna do and and so i learned to direct and produce a show just by asking myself Mm. what do i want i want to know more 
and you didn't and it's not like you were expecting to be paid for it or anything you just offered uh, to to follow him around and help out and stuff and the opportunity was there for you you didn't do it from a, a mercenary point of view. You know, I've never done anything for money, yeah, ever. That's great. But money comes. Yeah. Because when we serve others, it just happens. Because to me, money is an energy. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it comes to, it has come to me in relation to what I'm doing for others. Mm. So if I'm serving others, if I write a song and it's a hit all over the world, my first song, Julie, Do You Love Me? I wrote for Bobby Sherman. Um, I wrote it with no expectations. I just wrote it. I sang. I was singing on his records. Uh. And his producer said, you know, there's a real dearth of songs for Bobby. Mm. And, uh, and I thought, well, I'll write him something. Mm. So I wrote six songs. And uh, I was getting ready to go to Europe to ski with mm. my best buddy. And I, my brother drives me to the airport. And I gave him this tape. And I said... Here, th- these are for Bobby, and if and if he and if uh, Jackie, his his producer, doesn't like him, you wrote him. <laughs> and I called in from Austria to check in to make sure that um, that I wasn't missing a because I was a studio singer by that right, time. Right. Uh, I, I called in to make sure I wasn't missing a Wrigley's commercial. <laughs> and my brother said, "You have Bobby's next single." And I said, really? Wow. What song? And he said, Julie, do you love me? Well, when this song came out, it was a hit in seven different countries by mm-hmm. different artists because Bobby was only known in the United States. Right, right. So it thrilled me that to think that something I wrote in my living room mm. was being was on the charts in Japan, was on the mm. charts in Norway, and it was mm. on the charts in Germany. Wow. And and I thought, oh my gosh, what power there is in that. And where does and it wasn't about me, it was just that I have an expression in it, and and we all have an expression. And what I love about where we are right now, Sam, and you and I have talked about this, Mm -hmm. is that we are in the information age, and you're we're speaking to how many countries right now? Right, you know, half a dozen. You know, right. And and how wonderful! And I'm sitting in in your office in New York York, City, Mm -hmm. and we're doing this, and we're sharing with people all over the world. Right, right. This is what I love. And, and to me, we all have opinions. We all have thoughts. We all have something to share with others. Right. Absolutely. So, so let's fast forward a little bit. All right. Yeah. So, so you, you started working with stars. You, you have a very distinguished uh, music career. What inspired you to finally say, you know what? I should write a book about my experiences. I should write a book that will really inspire people. I wish I was that smart, <laughs> and I'm not. But you know okay. what? I follow my instincts. This is another thing. I was given permission. My father said, your feelings, mm-hmm. and well, he didn't say it ever. I'm, I'm quoting him incorrectly. I want to credit because he gave me iMessage. He said, son, my feelings are my best barometer. Mm, So I I came back to Radio City Music Hall as a creative director. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what a creative director was. But one of my mentors Mm -hmm. became president. And he said, you are a creative director. You just don't know it. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, fine. (laughs) So it felt good. And I wasn't afraid. Right. I figured if he, I ad, I admire this man. If he believes I can do it, I guess I can't. Right. So I came back and became creative director, and I had read something about Aesop, mm-hmm. and uh, and it said he was born in 620 BC, a slave with no uh, with no 
access to wealth or influence, mm-hmm. yet mm-hmm. later in his life he served as ambassador to the most powerful man in the world. Mm-hmm. And my question was, how did he, did do, he do that? that? Right. And the instant I asked that question, I felt a surge of energy go through me. Mm-hmm. It was like a chill, but it wasn't cold, and my mm-hmm. life changed after that. Yeah. Within three weeks, Bob Yanni called and he said, I want you to become... My, my creative director said, okay, uh, so I came back here, and then uh, we opened the show, and I get a call from Tommy Volando, and I'd written five songs for the show mm-hmm. with one of my favorite collaborators, uh, and uh, I get a call from Tommy Volando, who is the top independent publisher on Broadway. Mm-hmm. He had people like Harnick and Bach, Kander and Ebb, and some guy named Stephen Sondheim. Stephen <laughs> Sondheim. Some, and, some, some guy. Yeah. And and he calls and and when he called my office, I thought, oh, I must not have cleared something. You know, I figured mm-hmm. we were in trouble. Publishers don't normally call. Right. Uh, but I was uh, Bob was sending me around town doing local radio, t- radio and television shows uh-huh. to you know, and I would interview and then I'd play one of the songs from the show. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, my wife has never has never um, talked to me about my business. Until she saw you on this show, and she said, really? "You need to talk to this guy." Huh. So I talked to Tommy. I had read this thing about Aesop, and when I did, it changed my life. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, "Play me some of your songs." And I played him. He said, "You know, you have a gift for the theater." And I said, "Thank you. This is one of my passions." Mm-hmm. And he said, "Do you have any ideas for a show?" And I said, well, you know, this guy Aesop has moved in with me. <laughs> and he said, if you'll give me a year, I'll walk you through. I'll walk you through the. I mean, I'll, I will walk you through. <laughs> where are my words? Mm. <laughs> he said, if, if you give me a year, I will walk you through the process of creating a Broadway show. Oh, wow. I went back to Bob Yanni, and I've only been in Radio City for four months. We, I had a hit show on our hands, and, and he said, How is your meeting with Tommy? And I said, Well, I, um, he, he said that if I do this, and I, said, and I told Tommy, I said, Well, I just got here. I'm a creative director. And he said, Well, it's up to you. When I told Bob this, Bob says, Go do this. Hmm. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah. yeah so, sure. so I was also learn to listen Hmm. and to seize opportunity when it came up. Right. right. So I started to write it as a musical Mm -hmm. and, um, and as the story came to me, uh, cause like the music I write, like the words I write, whether it's poetry, prose, everything comes to me. I hear it Mm -hmm. and I write it. Mm -hmm. I'm the middleman. Mm. My dad used to say he was the temporary middleman for beer. <laughs> and I am the middleman for thought. So so um, what I found was that I had too much story for a musical. Uh. So then I was talking to a writer, a Broadway writer, and I said, I need some help. Every time I hired a writer, my story went away. It became somebody else's. Oh, and this really? story was so prevalent in my thoughts and my dreams. Um, so... I said, would you help me with this? And he said, no, because you need to write this as a novel. And I said, but I've never written a novel. He said, Tom, there was a time when you'd never written a song. Mm. And that was my impetus to write the book. And how long ago was that? Uh, it, I started writing the book in 2008. And okay. after we come back from the break, I'll give you the little story about that. Because when I find that I make decisions... Mm-hmm. 
stuff happens. I decided to write a book not knowing how to write a book, not knowing the first thing about writing a book. And three weeks later, the coach entered my life. Ah, okay. All right, let's hold on to that thought. And when we come back, you guys will find out all about how Thomas wrote his first book. And then we'll get right into his second book. So please stay tuned. You're listening to The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. And we'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to The Talking Alternative Network. Have you ever decided to reinvent yourself? Are you navigating a new life's journey? Are you an aspiring artist that's looking for direction? This is Kevin Barbaro, and my new show, Coffee Talk 3.0, is your new best friend. Tune in live to hear successful professional artists and their inspiring real-life adventures Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, right here at TalkingAlternative.com. Bonjour, this is Dominique de Coq. Bonjour, c'est Tamara Zuboff. Bonjour, c'est Asania Kone. We are hosting Pardon My French New York City. Our guests come from all over the world. From Mali to New Caledonia, from Paris to Quebec. French is a common language, yet they all come from different cultures, backgrounds or countries. And their common desire is to make New York their home. Listen to them share their stories. Join us at Pardon My French New York City every Monday from 1 to 2 p.m. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Go against the wind, but that's no way to fly. Flapping my wings, I get no place. No matter how hard I try, but when I just give in and go to where the blowing breeze has planned, you know I find a better place wherever I might land. Ah, that guitar man from Central Park. You know David Ippolito? I do not. You do not. You, but after listening to that, I want to. Yeah, he's a great singer, songwriter, actor, philosopher who, on just about any Saturday afternoon in the spring or summertime, you can find him on cent- in Central Park on the side of the lake, on the west side of the lake or around 76th Street. So you just got to go out to the hill, as he calls it. And he always has a huge crowd around listening to him. He's, he's wonderful, very, uh, very entertaining. Uh, I'll be there. All right, great. So, so before we went to break, you were talking about uh, how you had suddenly decided you needed to write your first book, a novel about Aesop. Yes, I I had this story in me, and it needed to get out. Right. 
So I decided to write a novel without any understanding. You know, this is when our mind plays games. My mm-hmm. mind is like, don't be a fool. You're you're very good at what you do in music. Mm-hmm. You're going to make a fool of yourself. You're going to do that. Right. And this is when I learned to say to my left brain, mm-hmm. thank you for your input. Instead mm-hmm. of fighting it, I made uh, it a friend. Okay. I said, thank you for your input. Keep it coming. I'm going to make another choice right now. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate you. And mm-hmm. everything, I believe, everything that lives wants to be loved. Mm-hmm. And soon as I made friends with my left brain instead of fighting it, mm-hmm. my life changed. And I was hired as a creative director to do uh, a project. And the woman who was doing the project uh, asked us, none of us, the creative team didn't know each other. She said, you have a minute and a half to talk about yourself. Let us know who you are. And I mentioned Aesop. Her eyes got big. She came up to me and said, this is a wonderful idea. You should write this into a novel. And I said, well, I'm going to. I just don't know how. And she said, well, I'm your girl. (laughs) I said, what do you mean? She said, well, Tony Robbins came to me with an idea. And I helped him. Oh, really? And she said, I believe in what I can feel how much this means to you. Mm. And so she was my coach. She didn't get into my content at all, but she Mm. helped me learn the framework. Uh, so I wrote the novel. The novel comes out, um, and immediately uh, we were hooked up worldwide. And kind of like my first song being a hit, I was amazed. And all of a sudden, I'm talking to people in Syria who can't buy the book. Wow. But this one young woman drove to Beirut, Lebanon, wow. and got the book there. Oh, my God. And so the connection of this was so... Amazing, and pretty soon I started speaking um, because Aesop was such an amazing man, but he was just one of us, you know. He was a guy who followed his instincts, and his Mm -hmm. mother Mm -hmm. gave him permission, like my mother, my grandmother gave my father permission, like Uh. my, you know. And so, but when I would speak, I wouldn't speak about the book so much, I would speak about what you and I were talking about. Gotcha. And and at first, people were saying, well, talk more about the book. And I said, well, I sort of am. But <laughs> <laughs> Giving you the message, just not the story. And then, and then people said, uh, and then some people said, you know what? What you're talking about, I think, is helpful to people. You should write a book about this. Uh, so all of a sudden, I thought, um, yeah, why not? Uh, so all I of a see. sudden, what you want, wants you, began and and it was really just like taking dictation from my life, mm. um, because so, my father taught me that when when I'm I think I mentioned it before when I'm dissatisfied that's not a bad thing. He said, "Son, when you're dissatisfied, you just entered a new cha- a chapter and you're into a new chapter. Mm. And maybe the reason that you're uncomfortable is you don't know what this chapter holds for you." Mm. But he said, "How was the last one?" I said, it was great. <laughs> and he said, well, why wouldn't this one be great? Right. And I said, okay, cool. And so uh, I learned this formula, but it wasn't presented to me in a formula, but it crystallized in me as a formula. Gotcha. And that's how this book, What You Want, Wants Want you, you, came into being. Okay. And we are launching it shortly. Uh, it's already available Uh uh, at Amazon.com. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I also have a course with it because when it's oh, like, really? yeah, what I've, what I've discovered is that, you know, when we read something that's illuminating, mm-hmm. then we go back to our old lives. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd spend a weekend with Tony, Ro- Tony Robbins and be right. totally pumped yeah, and then totally. <laughs> would fall back into my old life. Absolutely. But when I took his mastery university and went into six day immersions, I found that I 
retain these things. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what? And, and another friend said, build a course around this. Mm-hmm. So I have an eight-week course oh, wonderful. that's in two levels. One is a pre-recorded level, mm-hmm. and the other one is a, 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 where we do a live a Zoom mm-hmm. meeting. You oh, know? okay. And, um, and we've run two, uh, again, you know, Seth Godin, who was one of my heroes. Ah, I love Seth. Wrote something about being unprepared. Yes. I have lived my life unprepared. (laughs) I was unprepared to do this class. Right. So I just wrote to, I, you know, I've got a blog and I've got a a lot of followers. So I just said, hey, you know, I'm going to do this. I have no idea if it's going to be any good. Mm -hmm. But if you want to sign up, I just want you to spend 20 bucks so you're somewhat committed. Mm -hmm. And so I had this class and we just got into it and it flowed like butter. And and the class got so much out of it and and there were some lives that were changed, not for me. In fact, the first line of my book is, why do they call it self-help when everybody's telling you what to do? To do, right. <laughs> because my father never told me what to do. Uh, I was raised with questions and suggestions. That's what this book is about. So I'm sharing stories because right. like Aesop, when we hear a story, we take out of it mm-hmm. what works for us mm-hmm. and we discover it and we own it. Right. So that is what my whole course and what you want wants you is about. Because I asked my dad when I was six, dad, how do you be creative? Uh And he said, I'll tell you how I do it. I declare what I want and let it go. And I'm like, what? Uh And he said, well, son, when we when we declare what we want, we are made of energy. And I'm six, and I'm like, energy, what, like a light bulb? Yeah. And he said, well, the, the light bulb is the, is the result of energy. Mm. And, and he said, if what you want serves others, mm-hmm. I believe you'll get it. And I said, really? He said, that's been my experience. Wow. So I learned this formula at six years old. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. So would you say now, I mean, kind of the title of of your first book, Anything is Possible. Yes. I I mean, I take it that's a message for people that really, even if it seems impossible, it actually is possible. And what you want wants you. Not only is it possible, but you will be drawn towards it. Here's a pathway that has worked for me. Wow. I'm not saying, but you know what? It's amazing what it, what it's doing for people, and I, and it Great. thrills me because, in a way, what you want wants you is a companion book to anything is possible because uh, anything is possible has got the formula in it in story mm-hmm. form. Gotcha, gotcha. And so, where can people find the books? I mean, I know you mentioned they were on Amazon. Uh, anything is possible, and what you want wants you are available both in eBooks and paperback okay. on Amazon, and also on my website. My website is my name, Thomas Baylor, B A H L E R, ThomasBaylor dot com. Okay. And if you're interested in the course, we call it Wee Wee. Because it's what you want wants you. So it's uh, www.thomasbaylor.com. <laughs> if you go to that site or if you go to my site, you can click on it, too. Oh, okay, gotcha. And, uh, and, and, and they, it, it's like a self-paced. People can go and, and get in any time or is it yes, certain you can, if you Yes, if you do the recorded course, mm-hmm. I've got 211 minutes of video. Uh, and none of it is is uh, PowerPoint. It's all right. me. And uh, I went okay. around the city and talked about what 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 uh, happened here and what happened there. Cool. And and it seems to be just really 
you know, we're all here to serve. And I, Absolutely. my thrill in life is to serve others with what I've been given. So that's what I'm doing. It started out Beautiful. in music. It started out making bands. Mm-hmm. It start, I've just always served people, and I'm serving people in a different way now. But mm-hmm. I'm still creating music. I'm writing the song, Cycle About Hafez, you know. Mm-hmm. His poetry just, when I read his poetry. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. I heard melodies. Well, yeah. when I hear something, my job is to write it down. I'm the middleman. Beautiful. So once again, if anybody wants to learn more about Thomas or his work or his books, his website is Thomas, T-H-O-M-A-S, Baylor, B-A-H-L-E-R dot com. No, with an umlaut over the A, but except you can't type that in on a U. Yeah, we don't have to worry about that on the internet. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Tom, for coming into the studio today. Really appreciate it. It's been a wonderful show. Sam, it's my pleasure. It's great to be here with you, and I'm so glad that we met. Me too. Me too. And I look forward to whatever comes next for you. <laughs> I would keep me my too. eyes and ears open. And at this point, I have no idea what that'll be, but it'll be fun. Wonderful. Then it'll be exciting. So, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Um, Please stay tuned. Coming up next, our 21st century entrepreneur, J.C. Maldonado, with his show, and uh, followed by Tony Martinetti, Nonprofit Radio. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Here's a little song I wrote You might want to sing it note for note Don't worry Be happy In every life we have some trouble But when you worry you make it double Don't worry Be happy Don't worry, be happy now Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Are you stuck in your business or career? Trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Leibowitz, the Conscious Consultant. I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people. Have you ever decided to reinvent yourself? Are you navigating a new life's journey? Are you an aspiring artist that's looking for direction? This is Kevin Barbaro, and my new show, Coffee Talk 3.0, is your new best friend. Tune in live to hear successful professional artists and their inspiring real-life adventures Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, right here at TalkingAlternative.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Have you ever considered consulting a roadmap when you feel you need help getting to your destination? 
When the normal path seems blocked, a little help can come in handy when choosing an alternate route. Your natal chart is a map of your potentials. It addresses relationships, finance, business, health, and above all, creativity. Current planetary cycles can either support or challenge your objectives. I'm Montgomery Taylor. If you would like to explore the help of a private astrological reading, please contact me at monty at montytaylor.com. That's monty, M-O-N-T-Y, at montytaylor.com. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 